MSW Media. Let's Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Today, the Arizona Republic has obtained text messages and voicemails of Trump and Rudy Giuliani trying to stop the ballot count for the 2020 election. AOC and Jamie Raskin have sent a letter to the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency asking them to rethink Shakari Richardson's one-month suspension for using recreational cannabis. The Trump and Rudy bromance is dwindling. And Trump could be called to testify before the 1-6 panel. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Hello, Dana. Hello, my friend. Before we get any further, tell me about last night. How did it feel? How did it feel with the audience? Everyone's wondering. So just let us give give us what we want, please. (laughs) It was amazing. It was it was weird and great to be on stage again. I felt like I had been on like before, like when I was doing comedy, it was like 15 shows a month, like always on stage, 40 minute sets, you know. And so I felt a little a little rusty like TikTok from <laughs> Ozma of Oz but um it was great and everybody enjoyed it thoroughly and then oh my gosh there was a, a Daily Beans listener named Joseph retired army who drove down from Burbank to come to the show and said That's hi to awesome. me after I got off stage and thank you so much Joseph I wish I could have stayed and talked longer I wish we I had more time to sit down and chat with you but thank you so much for going to that and you know my first time back out on a stage. It was awesome. And then, of course, by the way, I, I think I've discovered the best place to for fireworks viewing is on the 405 during the fireworks. Because Oh, my God. Seriously, I was driving back from the east side because I was like, I want to get on the road before traffic. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm shocked that there weren't more car accidents. There's giant explosions of fireworks going on all over the east side of Los Angeles, just like lining the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can hear them, too. They scared the crap out of me when I was on the freeway. And then I was like, oh, OK, fireworks, because, you know, Los Angeles freeways. Yeah. We need to follow some of the European countries, though, and move to silent fireworks just for our animals, because they're still just as beautiful. You just don't get the boom. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. And our veterans as well. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that was it was an awesome night. Thank you for asking. Good. And uh, a little bit later, I'm going to be talking to Ellie Honig. He's the author of the brand new book, which is out today. You can get it now. It's called Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department. I'll be speaking to him today and tomorrow about the book. We had so much to talk about. And of course, the book club series on Hatchet Man will start July 18th. Right now, we're currently still listening to the Mary Trump Book Club series. So uh, check that out. Grab that book now while you can. Read it up and then we'll be going over it on the MSW Book Club. So July 18th. Very excited to speak to him about that. Well, we've got a lot of news to get to. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The lead story comes from the Arizona Republic, Arizona Central. As I read this story, I I really want to recommend you subscribe to this digital online content local newspaper. It's a dollar for the first six months. And we're going to get a lot of news out of Arizona in the next six months. And the Arizona Republic has has been on top of this uh, story. And there's a lot here. Um, So I'm going to try to sum this up as best I can. Trump tried to speak directly with the chair of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors in the weeks after the November 2020 election uh, as his allies sought to change the election results in a state he narrowly lost to Biden. New records obtained by the Arizona Republic revealed a behind the scenes effort by Trump, his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani and state GOP chair Kelly Ward to pressure the county supervisors who make up the elected body that oversees the elections in in the state's most populous county. Text messages and voicemails uh, made clear that Trump's allies were fixated on how the supervisors were going to address what the Trump team deemed as voting irregularities. Those concerns included the software used in the voting machines, how to reconcile Trump's underperformance around the country (laughs) as compared with other GOP candidates. So on November 13th, Hours after a late evening ballot update from Maricopa County clinched Biden's victory in Arizona, Ward, Kelly Ward, delivered a missive to Hickman. He said, POTUS will probably be calling you. Now, Hickman, who's not close to Ward, 
sought to avoid he's supervisors uh, sought to avoid a call from the president. And he wrote back, I cannot talk about litigation. And she wrote back saying, no, this isn't about the litigation, just a check in from the president of the United States. So I guess that means you should take the call. Just a check in, <laughs> you know, as yeah, he does with state board election supervisor, whatever, county election supervisors. Now, Hickman's phone ran weeks later, about 8.30 p.m., New Year's Eve. He was on a date with his wife. New Year's Eve. Uh, he was on a date with his wife and his friends in North Central Phoenix. He didn't recognize the number. Let it go to voicemail. Quickly listened to the message because it had a, a, a D.C. area code, 202. And the White House switchboard wanted him to call back so he could talk to the president. Hickman did not return the call and later deleted the voicemail. <laughs> Are we going to mention the fact that the former guy was clearly alone <laughs> on New Year's Eve because he sure had plenty of time to just call some people in Arizona when he was two hours ahead? Yeah, kind of puts the priority into focus, right? So pathetic. Not that spending New Year's Eve alone is a problem. Listen, I don't want to get any letters, but I think we all know that he does have a family that chooses not to spend time with him. Yeah. And while we were all like, we're not going out because of COVID, he was like, fuck COVID. Let's have big parties. And everyone canceled. So he's just yeah. a loser. Thank you. Three, three days later, news broke of Trump's January 2nd phone call with Georgia Secretary of State, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me, mm -hmm. Brad Raffensperger, in, in which Trump encouraged him to, you know, find those 1170, 11,780 votes, enough votes to reverse his loss. Uh, even though he said there were hundreds of thousands of votes that were missing, I only need those that yeah, very specific. Just find those. Now, Hickman recalled listening to that audio and that he listened to the whole hour long phone call. And he was like, I was horrified. <laughs> so he didn't want to talk to the president the same night at 930, approaching midnight in Washington. His phone buzzed again. It was the same area code. And he let it go to voicemail again. And again, hello, sir. This is the White House operator is calling to let you know the president's available to take your call if you're free. <laughs> Because he's not doing anything else at all. He's the president of the United States. He has a wife and children. Keep going, AG. Yeah. If you could please give us a call back, sir, that'd be great. You have a good evening. <sighs> Hickman said he presumed Trump would try to pressure him to change the election results or outline election conspiracies, just as he had done to Georgia officials. So he ignored it, never returned the call. He, he's like, I'm not going to tape the president, so I'm not going to talk to the president. <laughs> <laughs> While Hickman and others on the county's board sought to instill confidence in their ballot count, Kelly Ward pressed them further to question it through a ton of text messages. She tried to get the supervisors to stop the counting. You should stop counting. Uh, delay certifying the results. Or, and, and, and she tried to get them to look into whether voting software added votes for Democrats. On November 14th, she texted Republican Supervisor Steve Chukri and told him the supervisors still had a chance to save the day. I want you guys to be well armed with the info as you go into this. You could all have the ability to be real heroes, she said. She told Chukri that Sidney Powell wanted to talk to him. Oh, dear. Now, two days later, on November 16th, she texted him to say it was important to evaluate certain scanner machines, examine ballot files, and asked how the county handled adjudication of ballots with stray marks. Another four days later, on November 20th, the Board of Supervisors was scheduled to certify Biden's victory, and Ward's text got a little more pointed. She said at 630 in the morning, she texted to the guy named Gates. Can we talk today now that the lawsuit is over? There are so many abnormalities that must be adjudicated. I know the Republican board doesn't want to be remembered as the entity who led the charge to certify a fraudulent election. She actually threatened that. After sending information alleging fraud and shortly before the board voted to accept the election results, she texted him. Sounds like your fellow Republicans are throwing in the towel. Very sad and un-American. Sounds like Trump. And uh, Giuliani also made calls to the supervisors. And after his November 30th meeting about the election outcome with a handful of Republican state lawmakers, remember when he said it was a hearing with the Arizona state legislature, but it was like a fucking days in board, you know, ballroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christmas Eve. So New Year's Trump is texting. Christmas Eve, Giuliani tried to call Gates and Sellers. Separate phone calls. Not knowing it was the president's personal attorney, Gates let the call go to voicemail. He says, quote, if you get a chance, would you please give me a call? I've had a few things I want to talk over with you. Maybe we can get this thing fixed up. You know, I really think it's a shame that Republicans sort of are both in this kind of situation. And, and I think there may be a nice way to resolve this for everybody. It's so mafia talk. Mm -hmm. It's so mafia talk. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about a problem. <laughs> I got, we got a solution. We're going to talk about it. Got an offer you need to hear. That same day, 
around the same time, he left a message for sellers, too, saying, I'm hoping we could have a chance to have a conversation. I'd like to see if there's a way we can resolve this so that it comes out well for everyone. We're all Republicans. I think we have the same goal. Let's see if we can get this done outside the court. Gosh, he says, gosh. (laughs) Oh, it's hard not to laugh at these schmucks. Okay. This is, uh, I think this is some, well, you know what? I don't label this as good or bad. I know we all have opinions on this story. So uh, Rep AOC and Jamie Raskin, they sent a letter to the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency encouraging the group to rethink Sprinter Shikari Richardson's one-month suspension for recreational cannabis use. Now, as you may have heard by now, the American Sprinter Richardson, who was set for a star turn at the Tokyo Olympics, her race was incredible this month, could miss the games after testing positive for cannabis. So Richardson, 21, she won the women's 100 meter race at the U.S. track and field trials in Oregon last month, but her positive test automatically invalidated her result in that marquee event. Now, the United States Anti-Doping Agency announced the positive test result Friday morning and said Richardson had accepted a suspension of one month starting on June 28th. So that could clear her in time to run the four by 100 meter relay that takes place later in the games. That's if she's named to the U.S. team. And in the history, and they've often taken the four fastest, but that does not mean that they have to. So there is still, they can name anyone they want to this relay team. Now, in an interview with NBC on Friday, Richardson said the positive test on her use of cannabis happened because she used it to cope with the unexpected death of her biological mother while she was in Oregon for the Olympic trials. So this is from AOC and Raskett. It's a quote. We urge you to consider the policies that led to this and other suspensions for recreational marijuana use and to reconsider Miss Richardson's suspension. Please strike a blow for civil liberties and civil rights by reversing the course you are on. So this is also from this letter. The ban on marijuana is a significant and unnecessary burden on athletes, civil liberties, uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency categorized uh tetrahydra what is it thc i'm not even going to do tetrahydrocannabinol this <laughs> that, you, you, you just had someone who doesn't smoke pot try and pronounce that word <laughs> thc we all know thc and that's the main active uh, chemical in marijuana as a prohibited com- competition substance so that's the problem here that's what they're trying to do however according to wada's own medical director alan vernick there is no evidence of cannabis for cannabis use as a performance enhancing drug. That's one of their arguments. It doesn't help your performance. And if you ask me, she may have even run faster <laughs> had this not happened. Anyway, that's just my opinion, not fact. Goes on to say sports leagues have also involved in their regulation of marijuana use by athletes. In recent years, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, and the National Football League have all removed penalties for marijuana use. And they went on to say in this letter, we are also concerned that the continued prohibition of marijuana while your organizations allow recreational use of alcohol and other drugs reflects anti-drug laws and policies that have historically targeted black and brown communities while largely condoning drug use in white communities. Ding, 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 ding. That's it right there. Phelps, Michael Phelps. Every single fucking snowboarder ever on the snowboard team. I happen to know (laughs) from personal experience. That the snowboard team for the United States uses drugs. <laughs> I I saw. And that's it with weird. My Why eyes. wouldn't they not drug test them? Are they mostly white, Allison? I'm just curious. I, you know, there's something about them. I can't put my finger on it. Um, mm, but I hope yeah. she gets to run because the the demonization of cannabis is rooted in racism. It always has been. Always has been. I've heard a lot of people saying that white people sometimes get banned for it, and of course, there will be white people that get caught up in laws based in racism. But it would be incorrect to assume that just because white people end up as unintended casualties of anti-cannabis laws, that doesn't mean the laws themselves aren't rooted in racism. If you actually think that in order for a law to be racist, you that you know it can't happen to white people, you'd have to concede that zero white people would be ever impacted by a policy in order to conclude the policy is rooted in racism. That's how right. that's how white people who like the status quo justify systemic racism. That's what that is right there. You know, and while certain instances might not be overtly racist, the, the entire fucking rule is rooted in racism and needs to be changed. Agreed. Agreed. Now, a little bit earlier, I talked about Rudy, Kaludi Rudy calling Arizona election officials 
don't know if he had his pants on or not, <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs> with pressure to fix up the 2020 election results, fix them up. Just fix. We can fix this up. Let's get it fixed up. In a related story, Donald Trump and his family are on the outs with Rudy after he asked for money for his 2020 election challenges. <laughs> so all the money he, <laughs> he, he wanted to get paid to make those calls. And he's being shunned. A newly published excerpt from author Michael Wolf's forthcoming book, Landslide, The Final Days of the Trump Presidency. Great title. Claims that Trump is frustrated that his legal challenges failed to overturn his election loss. And he didn't like that Rudy asked to be paid for for those unsuccessful efforts. He was like, he failed at, he failed. so I'm not paying him. I wish, I wish I could do that with my legal teams. Like, right. Damn. I'm sure everyone does. Yeah. But were you working on an, a contingency? Now the twice impeached one term president and his family have cut off the former New York city mayor who's quote, gotten only the cold shoulder from Trump since seeking payment for his legal services. Dana, do you care? Not even a little. Thank you for asking. Welcome. Not yeah. even a little. Okay. So when asked if Trump uh, would be called to testify, this is a, this is a story going back to the commission. So the, the, the January 6th commission, when asked if Trump would be called to testify, House Majority Whip James Clyburn responded, if it comes to that, select committee investigating the January 6th attack will ask former guy to testify, but would prefer not to call on a former president. I can understand why, although I'd really like for them to call on this one. Okay, they should go wherever the facts lead. I would not want to see a former president testify in such a situation as this, but if that's what it takes in order to get to the bottom of this. So the House voted 222 to 190 last week to establish the committee to probe the attack on the U.S. Capitol. And Rep. Benny Thompson, a Democrat from Mississippi who serves as chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, is going to chair the select committee. So if he's called to testify, this is the former guy we're talking about. If he's called to testify, will he even show up? I mean, I doubt that's going to happen and (laughs) it'll likely end up in court. So everyone, please be prepared for a lot of stonewalling. There may be subpoenas. They're going to be ignored and a massive lack of cooperation from the Republicans. This is what we're we've seen. This is what's going to happen. And I just hope that the Dems are prepared for it. And not just the Dems. I want to see Liz Cheney going hard against these other Republicans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And their argument's going to be, well, it's not a bipartisan commission to which the response would be, hey, we let you write the rules and you still voted no on it. Uh, But but they'll be able they'll still be able to secure that talking point. They'll win on that messaging. Sadly. Uh, all right, we're going to be back right, uh, back right. We're going to be back right with Honig, Ellie. Everybody yeah, stay there tuned. You go. Uh, yeah, no, we're going to be right back with Ellie Honig. His new book that drops today, Hatchet Man, you have to get it. It's uh, We're going to talk all about it. And this, by the way, was such an in-depth interview, it's going to go for two days. So this is day one, and it starts right after this break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison, and today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by All Form. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you've probably heard me talk about my past sleep issues and how they were solved by my Helix mattress, because Helix customized it specifically for me, which was amazing. Now, even more amazing is that Helix has gone beyond the bedroom. They've launched a company called Allform, and they're making premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. Allform makes the most beautiful, high-quality furniture. They fit your personal style. It's exactly to your customization. Their sofas and chairs are designed to your specs and then delivered directly to you with fast free shipping. You get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores and a fraction of the time and money. And with all form, you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain and scratch resistant. You pick the color of it. You pick the, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for your home. Uh, I picked out a three seater sofa. I customized it with whiskey colored leather. And because it's spill, stain, stain and scratch resistant, I can have a leather couch and podcasts at the same time. I got a walnut leg finish for my mid-mod vibe and a chaise lounge on the end. Came in a couple days. I put it together myself and I love it. It's roomy and modern and my favorite part is it's designed to my personal specifications. The other great thing about Allform is how incredibly fast they deliver. Normally, if you want to order a new custom sofa, it takes months to arrive and you have to have someone come assemble it for you in your home. But Allform takes just three to seven days in the mail and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools. Allform has beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone, and you can always start small and add on later if your house gets bigger or your family grows. Best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, which is more than three months. And if you don't love it, you will. But if you don't, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund, so there's no risk. And they have a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans, and Allform is offering 20% off all orders. That's 20% off your orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. 
Uh, I am honored today to be joined by my friend, CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor from the Southern District of New York, Ellie Honig, on the eve of the release of his new book called Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department. Uh, I'm also happy to announce I'll be covering this book in the next MSW Book Club series starting July 18th. And I'll be joined by Ellie at the end of that for an epilogue episode. But today and tomorrow is the prologue. This is a two-part series. And we're going to be discussing a lot about this book, Hatchet Man, where we are now and what the future could hold for the Department of Justice. So please welcome Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you've taken a look at the book, that you've deemed it worthy of your book club. Um, it's, I really think knowing you and, and your listeners is it couldn't be more up your alley in there, Ellie. Um, and I, I think it's an important story that um, I tried to have fun telling. So uh, happy to discuss it with you today. Yeah, well, I have to say, you know, I got I got my advanced copy of this book. I devoured it in like a day or two. <laughs> First, it's really wonderfully written. Well done. Thank you. I loved the video of you in the bookstore at Barnes & Noble for the first time <laughs> seeing it. I watched your unpackaging of it. Yeah. I was excited to get it. It has the thing I love about it is it has really relevant anecdotes and like meaningful, deliberate through lines. Yeah. Those are all the things I love in a drama. But this is actually nonfiction. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Everything in there is nonfiction. But you're right. I, with the, the way I approach the book is I usually open a chapter or open a, a theme by telling a, a, a firsthand story of something I did at the SDNY. A lot of times things I did wrong mm-hmm. and lessons that I learned and trial experiences and sort of from those draw out a big principle about DOJ. And then I illustrate how Bill Barr trampled on that principle. That's sort of the structure of the book. Yeah. And and I think that worked really, really well. It just is so well written. And thank you. I wanted to know what, first of all, what prompted you to tackle the absolute gargantuan task of, (laughs) of outlining all the ways Bill Barr corrupted the Justice Department? So I guess the the one word answer is rage. Um, (laughs) Because I I sat there, as I think you did for, you know, almost two years Barr was in office and raged about it on air, on on CNN and here with you and all over the place because he was destroying the Justice Department. That means so much to me. The, The way I was raised to approach this job, to even approach beyond the job, to be honest with people, to be straight down the middle, Um, to tell it like it is. And he just crushed that over his two years. And I think as a result of my raging about it, um, HarperCollins actually, little story, reached out to me. I mean, I don't have an agent. To this day, I don't have a book agent. I don't have any PR person. They they saw me and heard me and said, we we think you have a voice on this. Do do you want to do a book? And I said, yes, I would. Mm -hmm. And um, it was sort of a perfect match because not only have I been on top of the whole bar um, tenure as a commentator, but you know, I know DOJ. I know how DOJ is supposed to function at its highest level. So um, that sort of positioned me to write this book. Mm, yeah, and you know, I talked to tons of former U.S. attorneys, yeah, tons of, of former Department of Justice uh, folks, and a, a bunch of lawyers as well. And I know that the that rage <laughs> that that lawyers feel when you know Rudy Giuliani shits all over their profession. I felt the same kind of just total disappointment and anger and disgust with with, you know, folks I've spoken to who worked for the Department of Justice about what Barr had had done to the department. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to go through the structure here a little bit, which I, I'll cover sure. in, in more detail in the book club episodes. Again, that starts July 18th. And I'm certain, Ellie, that the listeners have pre-ordered your book. <laughs> uh, but if you haven't, it comes out today, July 6th, and everyone should get a copy stat. But you open the book with one of those anecdotes you talk about, and it's a really good one. It defines one of those through lines I mentioned a moment ago, and that's the importance of trial experience and how many facets of the prosecutor's code trial experience touches. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of trial experience, a little bit about that anecdote, and tell us how much much trial experience Bill Barr had? (laughs) So the answer to the last question you posed there is zero. And Bill Barr, you know, the man has been attorney general twice now, one of two people in our history to have been attorney general twice. He was, of course, first AG in the 90s, 91 to 93, under George H.W. Bush. And then he did it again under Donald Trump. But the man has never prosecuted a case. He's never tried a case in his life. And I point that out throughout the book, not just to sort of zing him, although I do kind of enjoy that, pointing out that he's a charlatan, but because 
unlike me and thousands upon thousands of others, he never learned the real lessons of what it means to be a prosecutor firsthand. And so I sort of opened the book on the, the moments before I'm about to give my first opening and my first ever trial. And, um, you know, I, I guess I won't give all the details away, but the trial spins off into this wild, crazy, <laughs> unexpectedly long, complicated trial. And we get a result that's somewhat satisfying, but somewhat disappointing to me as a young prosecutor. And I talk about all the lessons I learned in that first trial. And the biggest one of them all, and this comes back again at the end, is that it's not about you. It's not about me, Ellie Honig. It's not about my ego. It's not about my stats. It's not about my win-loss. It's not about winning or losing for anybody or any anyone's agenda. It's about the criminal justice process itself and sort of understanding that you're part of that process and you have a role to play in that process. And that includes things like telling the truth no matter what, even if facts might be bad for you or, or things you don't want to <laughs> see, you have to deal with them. And so many more lessons, big and small, and there's some funny small ones that I throw in there to make fun of myself. I mean, I guess I can, I'll say a little bit of a spoiler. The very first thing that happens in the book as I walk into that trial prep room is my supervisor, who's a brilliant guy who'd been trying cases for a long time. He's now a federal appellate judge, sort of glanced at me and goes, what the hell are you wearing? And I was freaked out. I said, what do you mean? I was wearing shoes with no laces, like dress shoes. And he was like, what do you, he's like, no, get new ones for tomorrow. Um, That's a silly little lesson. Uh, but there are many bigger ones that sort of go along with those behind the scenes little lessons that I think Bill Barr never appreciated. He never appreciated and never act with an appreciation of the sanctity of our system. Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me in that opening anecdote, and I can't wait for people to read it, is the idea that and you learn this really quickly, that the law and the justice system that we work within or that we that we all deal with on a daily basis is not a zero sum game. Right. It's right. There's there's going to be so many times when, you know, it's not the justice you want, but it's the justice you need, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. I think that that lesson not only touches on, you know, what your point was, which is how important trial experience is, especially for an attorney general, but how we should all be sort of reacting to a lot of decisions that come out of the Justice Department. Sometimes it's not everything you wanted, but it's what's needed and it can be disappointing. And I think that that is what really stuck with me. And you preface the book here with three fundamental traits that, quote, infected Barr's approach to his position as the nation's top prosecutor. First of all, he's a liar. Second of all, he's a partisan uh, and that he used his position to impose his personal views on society. I'm going to leave the liar and partisan part for everybody to read because they're amazing and they're fairly, (laughs) fairly clear. But can you explain how he used his position to shove his philosophy down our throats and why that's fundamentally contrary to the rule of law and impartiality? Yeah, and I'm, gl- I'm glad you phrased it that way, because going into writing the book, I knew I, I knew that I was going to talk a lot about his dishonesty. I, and I do call him a liar. I, I thought hard about it, whether to use that exact phrase. But I said, no, I'm not put, I'm not pulling punches here. It's not like the guy had one bad moment. The guy lied to us throughout <laughs> his tenure. And he's a partisan, and we can talk about that. We all remember Mueller and Flynn and Stone and all that. But I lay those out in the book. But the thing that I did not recognize going into the writing process that hit me as I was doing it was, oh, this guy is a real culture warrior, like an old school culture warrior. And, you know, he gave a little hint of this towards the very end of his tenure with Trump when he made a speech at Notre Dame in 2019. And he started talking about sort of the need to take back moral society and secularists or tearing our society apart, secularists sort of meaning non-religious government or a religious government. And then we dug back, uh, my research assistants and I, we found speeches he had given and articles he'd written throughout the 90s. And we went, oh my goodness. I mean, here are some of the things that Bill Barr has written and said long before he became AG. In the 90s, he wrote about God's law, and I quote, and he, he complained about, quote, bigotry against Catholics. And he said, quote, We are being pushed steadily off the battlefield than we have been for the last few decades. Occasionally, we are jabbing back and poking back as we backpedal off the field. Here's the the real kicker. Quote, what is our larger strategy for preserving the church and seeing it prevail? How will we get back on the battlefield? And, And in other writings and speeches, he railed against, and I quote, the homosexual movement. He blasted militant secularists, and he blames those things for every ill in society, the deterioration of the family and homelessness and depression and all this. And I realized, oh, this guy, I mean, look, he's not a member of Opus Dei. That's a popular theory out there. It's not true. I say that in the book. But he is a devout culture warrior. Now, 
There's no problem with being religious. If you're a religious person, that's fine. But Barr took that dogma and he viewed his job as attorney general as an opportunity to enforce that on our secular society. And it really impacted and I think infected the way he approached the job. He saw the job as a way to flex his muscle, his sort of, and to, but to flex his, um, you know, to, to put the church back on the battlefield, as he said, to, to charge back up that hill and retake the mm. moral ground. Um, and so he's really an extremist. And, you know, Barr gets away with a lot of this because he doesn't look the part, he doesn't sound the part of an extremist. He's not Jim Jordan or, uh, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, he doesn't look, he doesn't yell and scream and do viral videos and stuff. He's quiet and he's sort of hang doggy and he wears a suit and, you know, that kind of thing. But he, make no mistake, he has very extreme views of government and religiosity and he tried to impose those on the country. Yeah. And I think the first time the most of us lay people who weren't really, you know, wrapped up in, in Maine Justice or the Department of Justice. I think the first time we saw that was when we heard about his 2018 audition memo about yeah. the, the powers of the, of, of the executive. And I want to ask you really quickly about that memo, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the beans. I used to get such terrible headaches and sore eyes from working at the computer all day. I'm on screens all day. I'm at the news all day, watching TV news, watching screen news, watching my laptop, typing. I would get headaches and eye fatigue and they'd be watery. But that is why I got Blue Blocks. They're incredible. They have an amazing variety of glasses designed specifically to solve these problems. I got the blue light computer glasses for headaches, sore eyes, digital eye strain, and watery eyes and fatigue. They also have the Summer Glow blue light glasses that have yellow lenses designed to help with migraines, stress, anxiety, and low mood. Or if you have trouble sleeping, try the Sleep Plus blue light blocking glasses. Those amber lenses help with poor sleep, fatigue, and low energy, and jet lag too. They're very easy to use. They're just glasses. You just wear the blue light computer glasses and the Summer Glow glasses during the day when working on screens or under artificial light. And then wear the Sleep Plus blue glasses two to three hours before bed to create more sleep hormones to aid with better sleep. Now, I've tried other brands, but they do not compare. Uh, these frames are stylish. They're awesome. They look great on my face. And their science-backed technology is tested to ensure they really work, unlike other blue light glass companies. Blue Blocks glasses are made in optics laboratories in Australia. They're not mass-produced in factories. And like I said, stylish frames. They've been featured in Vogue and QC. And they might be a little more expensive than the other brands, but it is worth it. I guarantee you it's worth it. It's worth the extra investment. The other brands just don't work. I've tried them. Personally, I love mine. They've helped me. And since wearing my blue light computer glasses from Blue Blocks, I literally have no more digital eye strain or headaches. I feel amazing. And Blue Blocks glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options. With glasses for every need, Blue Light for helping with digital eye strain, Summer Glow for helping with low mood and migraines, and Sleep Plus for improving your sleep. Blue Blocks also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, and a 100% blackout sleep mask, which I love. All backed by science. Blue Block ships worldwide in rapid time and is always easy with returns and exchanges. So go to blueblocks.com slash dailybeans and use coupon code dailybeans, all one word, to save 15% off. That's blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash dailybeans and then use coupon code dailybeans at checkout to save 15%. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to the author of Hatchet Man, Ellie Honig. This is such a good book. And right before the break, we were talking about uh, culture warrior style Bill Barr and and sort of his philosophy jam. He's trying to jam it down our throats. And I mentioned, I think the first time that we all became aware of this, like the regular folks, was that audition memo that came up in his confirmation hearing. It's a 2018 memo. Uh, can you tell us about that memo and how it should have been a, a early red flag for most of us who were like, all right, maybe this is going to be okay. Because a lot of us, Chuck Rosenberg, for example, yep. we were all like, all right, an old institutionalist, maybe this isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, but <laughs> <laughs> that, um That was my initial view. I quote myself in the book because I was on set at CNN the day they announced his name and I said something like, look, he's a serious guy. He's a respected guy. He seems like an institutionalist guy. It seems like a strong pick. Um, then though, um, and by the way, I put that in the book because I, I, I think it's important that people know I did not have it out for this guy. If anything, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and then some when, when he first got the job. Um, but then shortly after this audition memo surfaced, this is the memo that Barr wrote a few months before he became attorney general in the middle of 2019, wait, 2019 or 18, excuse me. <laughs> so this is, this is mid-2018. Um, midterm elections are coming up November of 2018. It's clear to the entire world Sessions is a goner and that AG job is soon going to be open. And Barr writes this 19-page memo basically saying that Robert Mueller's investigation is DOA. And uh, here's the exact term that Barr uses is 
fatally misconceived. Robert Mueller's notion of obstruction of justice that he's investigating here is fatally misconceived. Fatally meaning it's dead. Mm -hmm. Now, he also says in his memo, the president has complete prosecutorial power, which is an incredibly wrong and alarming thing for an attorney general to say. The idea that the president can just have anyone he, he wants prosecuted or not prosecuted. But this audition memo comes out, and sure enough, when Barr becomes AG, first of all, somehow, uh, um, well, this memo does make it to Donald Trump. We know that from Jonathan Swan at Axios, who later reported fairly recently that Trump was, in fact, aware of this memo, and he did shocker. He liked it. I mean, he had someone <laughs> who was going to make this thing go away for him. That's exactly what Barr did. I mean, Barr twisted the law. He twisted the facts. He twisted what Mueller did. But he told us all what he was going to do. He told Donald Trump what he was going to do. And he did just that. Now, the legal underpinnings of that are this notion that the president is sort of can't be touched, can't be charged. But Barr goes way farther than that. I mean, he, he really distorts to us what Robert Mueller found. He makes this unilateral finding that there was no obstruction of justice, which is completely um, BS. I mean, I'm one of over 2,000 former prosecutors who wrote a letter saying there absolutely is obstruction. To this day, the only people who've come out and said, there was not obstruction or Bill Barr and Rod Rosenstein, who, of course, just follows anything any boss says. So um, so that, you know, that was where we got a sense of Bill Barr's sort of legal extremism. And I break it into the legal extremism. The president is utterly untouchable versus the personal religious ideological um, extremism. But he had them both and they both drove what he did as AG. Yeah. And you you even at the end of your confirmation chapter, you talk about sort of accountability and ethics. You know, you you say that yeah. the uh, he, his, he declared Mueller's investigation, like you said, fatally misconceived, asinine and overly zealous. And you right. said now he's going to oversee that case. And you you amplified that insanity by sharing an anecdote about a time you were pulled off a case <laughs> because yeah. like your best friend's brother's boyfriend's cousin's girlfriend knew a guy who heard from a girl who saw Ferris right. pass out at 31 Flavors one night. I mean, it was like could you talk about sort of yeah. the circumstances there and how you were like, yeah, I got to get off that case. Somebody said you got to get off that case co as compared to Bill Barr, who comes out. Right. At, you know, I mean, it's just mind blowing. So I tell this story where I'm, I'm at the SDNY and it's a routine case. And our, our ethics guy calls me and he's like, you're off this case. And I was like, why? I mean, I was happy because it was a crappy case. But um, but he was like, it was, gosh, what was it? It was my father's law partner who my father wasn't even practicing really anymore, but like years before had represented one of the witnesses in the case. So that's like five levels of separation, <laughs> not even a party to the case. My father's former law partner once represented the guy in a civil suit or something like that. And I thought, okay. And, and you know what? That was the right thing because you cannot even risk the appearance of someone going, wait a second. The prosecutor's kind of tied in with someone who's tied in with someone who's part of that case. Because the, the public has to believe and you can't have any risk of any thumb on the scale. Okay, contrast that with Bill Barr, who before he gets the job says, this case is dead. It's fatally misconceived. I mean, and Bill Barr then came up with some, to this day, we don't understand exactly how, but some some torture uh, tortured analysis of the ethics rules that allowed him to stay on the case. Um, and, you know, by the way, one thing about his whole um, fatally misconceived and all that, you know, part of his BS is, he tried to say when he was questioned about this in his confirmation, oh, that was, um, no, that was just me offering up my views as a concerned citizen. That wasn't mm. me trying to catch the president's eye so he'd make me AG. Guess what, though? He did media, too. He went, he did interviews in the media and said that Mueller's investigation was, like you said, quote, asinine. I mean, if you're just a humble man, not trying to draw attention, why are you doing media about it, Bill Barr? I mean, it's just another one of his ridiculous nonsense assertions. Yeah, and that sort of opened the door for all kinds of weird conflicts of interest with, you know, yeah. Rosenstein. We had Ben Schkowski, head of the criminal division, who was represented yep. Alpha Bank and was overseeing the Mueller investigation, which was investigating Alpha Bank. Like, just come on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was blew my mind. I mean, Rosenstein, Rosenstein's conflicts were even worse. Rosenstein yeah. was a key witness. And he's like, <laughs> I'm fine. I can stay on the case. Bill Barr did, you know, like yeah. it, it kicked off mayhem. Yeah. He was, a, he was a fact witness in the obstruction of justice investigation. Yeah. Yep. I remember when he cried and offered to wear a wire. It was an interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, finally, before I had to break again, I wanted to ask you about basically conflicts and politicization, which is what we've been talking about. And actually that, you know what, this is a good time to take a break because that brings us to the next section of your book, which is about Ukraine. And and you begin that with another personal anecdote, which is really great. But I let's take a break right here. Is that okay? Sure. 
Everybody, we're going to have to take another break, but we will be back with more Ellie Honig tomorrow. Stick around, everyone, and we'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Beans is brought to you by Stamps.com. One of my biggest pet peeves is inefficiency. Uh, Some people say lazy. No, I say efficiency enthusiast, and I hate wasting time, and of course I hate wasting money. So if you're like me and you can't stand waiting in lines and wasting precious time and being around crowds and wasting your hard-earned cash, you have to try Stamps.com. And stop going to the post office. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is easy. They allow you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and you pay a lot less with discounted rates from the Postal Service and UPS and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. And I can attest to that. You get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place, plus big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I found their service extremely smooth and efficient. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages. Uh, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. It's so easy and user-friendly. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop-off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you can get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. So Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Saves you time and money. It's no wonder nearly a million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, you get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and they send you a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts required. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the little microphone at the top of the homepage, and then type in DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's Stamps.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. You know I love sleeping. I talked about all form at the top of the show. You've heard me talk about my Helix mattress a million times. It's so incredible because it's made to my unique sleep preferences. They have a two-minute online sleep quiz, and they count your individual sleep preferences and match you with a mattress that's going to be the perfect fit for you and give you the best sleep of your life. Plus, you have 100 sleeps to try it out without risk. You know, I've had my Helix almost two years now. I absolutely love it. I sleep so much better than on my old mattress. And I've tried all the premium mattress brands, and this is head and shoulders above the best. I wake up feeling so rested and refreshed. And like I said, you just jump online, take that two-minute sleep quiz, answer the questions, and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep ever. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Do not buy a mattress made for someone else. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that will be perfect for you in the way you sleep. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that cool you down if you sleep hot. They have mattresses great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they have Helix Plus mattresses for our beautiful plus-size sleepers. I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium, firm bed, and I sleep on my side, as you know. And so it's perfect for me. I'm a huge, huge fan of this mattress. And this is a giant upgrade over what I used to have. They're awesome. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. And they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors too. And sleep medicine people, is, is this is a go-to solution for improving sleep. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you try it out for 100 sleeps, like I said, risk-free, and they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. So there's no risk here, but you will love it. They even have financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we And uh, if you have any good news or corrections or confessions or misheard lyrics, shared swears, find the cat, happy places, what the mutt, town twisters, limericks, whatever, whatever you want to play. New games. I'm taking new games. Clearly, we play any game that you send us. So <laughs> Clearly, we'll do anything at this point. We're open to anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Our first submission is from Melissa, pronouns she and her. Hello, beanificants. I think that's right. Uh, and beneficence. Beneficence. Beneficent. Ben- yeah. Beneficence. I like it. Okay. Hello. I love the show and I listen every day while I skim leaves for the little three foot deep kiddie pool I installed during quarantine. I call it the Aqua Lounge. Nice. And while seating is limited to me and my bulldog, it has provided enormous comfort to me during these tough times. Plus, the DJ, me, plays all my favorite tunes. <laughs> I love this person. <laughs> Melissa, this is fucking outstanding. Uh, While things have opened up in Nashville, I haven't been able to find a local bar that's willing to shush everyone and play the Daily Beans podcast. So it looks like my backyard (laughs) will remain my favorite hang. 
Anyway, I want to share some good news about my friend's t-shirt company, greatdemocracytees.com, where I purchased my flag-loving liberal shirt. I wear it specifically when I go to the hardware or grocery store in support of my own little effort to take back the flag, reclaim patriotism from those who wield it with ill will, and counter the MAGA lovers who use liberal as a slur. For pet tax, I'm including a pic of my baby Bella, English bulldog, oh, I'm excited, who I rescued last fall. We haven't met any dog neighbors yet, so I want to make sure oh people know we're very friendly. And she wears the lend me some sugar. I am your neighbor when we go out. She has <laughs> dog butt. There's a dog butt. It's oh, a dog oh, butt. Hold on. Let me see this. <gasps> Sploot. Sploot dog butt. Lend Back me leg. some sugar. I am your neighbor. So cute. What a great shirt, too. I love and liberal. Oh, that is great. I need to get one of those, too. All right. Totally. So it's democracy. What is it? Uh, GreatDemocracyTees.com. Excellent. Thank oh, I'm you. I'm going to go look. All right. This next one's from Chris. Pronoun she and her. You know how when you go to a 4th of July fireworks show and you have to really you have a really good time and then you have to sit in traffic for an hour or more to let the traffic clear enough for you to get home? Yes. Well, my good news is that we were able to bypass all of that this year. We bought our house in January 2020, and there were no fireworks shows that year. So this year, after talking with some of our neighbors, we walked across the street from our house, put some chairs and a blanket in the grass, and settled in to watch the fireworks over the trees from the town park about a mile away. We were very pleasantly surprised at how well we could see them and even hear them. We were back in the house 10 minutes after the show ended. It was wonderful. We had no idea that we could see the fireworks from here. Next year, we we may just watch from the front porch. As pet tax, I submit photos of my adult son's cat, Tuxedo, as we are petless household. I'm sure you can guess why she's named Tux. Love the show. Please keep up the good work. And Tux has a black nose and it's Tuxedo face. And it's very, very sweet. Not even a pink nose. A black nose. The black nose is adorable. Look at the little tufts on the ears. That's very cute. Oh, so cute. Thank you. And congratulations. Yeah, I somehow managed to escape uh, Long Beach down, you know, downtown Long Beach firework traffic. But I was just going the opposite direction both times. So I was just lucky. Nice work. (laughs) Um, Next up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. In my family, our slang for going number two is having a time. (laughs) It's a useful substitution. And I feel it needs to be shared more widely. It also makes certain songs much funnier. The Dirty Dancing song, I've Had the Time of My Life, takes on a whole new different meaning. (laughs) Once I was having a, shall we say, difficult time in a hotel room while a band at the bar next door played a shitty but timely cover of Your Time is Gonna Come. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Here's Wyatt. Wyatt! Look at Wyatt! A cat up for adoption at the Alameda Island (gasps) Cat Adoption Center. If anyone is near the Alameda Island Cat Adoption Center, this little kitten needs a home. And he's adorable. Look at the look at the oh. nose. Oh, oh, my goodness gracious. Thank you for that. And thank you for putting a picture of an adoptable animal. That's when you don't have your own pet tax. That's a great thing to do, as one of our other uh, listeners pointed out. So thanks for starting the trend. All right. This next one's from Karen K. Pronoun she and her. Hi, ladies. I have an assortment of items for you, ladies. Good news first. After a year or so, including my husband being made redundant at work, being unable to see family members and kids struggling with the pressures of lockdown. Now, husband has landed his dream job. Kids are coping better with the new reality and vaccines are allowing more contact with friends and family, which has had a huge positive impact on our collective mental health. We usually go on a Spanish seaside summer holiday, but not in 2020 or 2021. So we spent the money doing up the garden and creating an amazing outdoor space. Great idea, Karen. We also became pet parents this year. Meet Coco, our kitten, who loves a cuddle and seems to think she is a human baby. I have a new game suggestion. I have three Ooh. pairs of the same sandals in different colors and tend to wear them in good weather and have now emblazoned salt tires, which is the Scottish flags on my feet. (laughs) I'm not encouraging actively pursuing sunburn, but maybe a game of regretful or silly tan lines could be fun. It's actually hilarious and would be really fun for me and AG. (laughs) I wear my salt tires with pride while carefully applying appropriate skincare. This community is an invaluable resource to lots of people. Don't underestimate the difference you all make. Mm. You are beloved. Sorry if that sounds a bit Catholic. Uh, Take care and keep on keeping on. And that is quite the tan line so far. (laughs) Oh, and look at this kitten. 
Oh, oh with the little Tweety. half, the half Tweety. and half face on the torty and the little feet. Tweety. One black peats and one orange peats. Oh. oh, look at the cute family. That is a handsome family. Well done. Well done. You get to read some poetry, my Ooh. friend. All right. Next up from Grendel. Pronouns he and him. I love y'all. As 90s Antifa punk and a girl drummer, you're my people. Here's a poem for you. I'll lasso the moon to end the drought and burn the trees to the ground. As re-election is all I want, my lies spring up all around. Just like the rep from Colorado, whose name is Bobert, I'm dumb as mud. In a Texas stream, my name is Louis Gomert. <laughs> oh thank you my tax is morticia the blackest cat alive oh hi morticia oh my goodness oh and there is the drum set with a kitty underneath that's convenient uh, electric drum set good call yeah as a parent i had a not electric drum set growing up and my mom encouraged it but i'm sure the neighbors did not appreciate it. Although luckily I'm a very good drummer, but still it's a lot of practice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, violin. There's no such thing as headphones for that thing. And that's yep. what I grew up trying to play. <laughs> I mean, now they have electric ones, but are awesome. I love yeah. an electric violin in a band. Oh, yeah. I, I keep thinking of uh camper van Beethoven pictures of matchstick men intro violin electric. Get it. Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, here we are at the end of the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you again today, Dana. And you'll be Always. back tomorrow and I'll be back tomorrow. And do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? No, just Palm Springs on Thursday. If you're around, come down to Hunters. It's a free show. Sitting at six, show at seven. Great comics. Um, I'm kicking off the dust. First live show. Let's do this. Ooh, ooh. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. <laughs>